we should ultimately consider his love and gift, Jesus Christ. The Lord did something for us that is truly remarkable, incredible, awesome, something that is just very hard to put into words. It's hard to grasp what was done for us because we say it easily. But do we truly understand what happened on the cross, the sacrifice that was made for us on that place, the sign of God's faithfulness and love for us? Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about a good reason to endure tribulation. We live in a very imperfect world because of sin, because of other people's sin committed in the past, in the present, and because of our own sin. Those in the past and us have now contributed in some way to the issues we face each and every day, in one way or another. Hardship is unfortunately a part of our lives, and for the most part, we all have some responsibility. However, some of our hardship known as tribulation is not necessarily a product of our own wrongdoing, yet we need to endure it, and for good reasons. Today's message is inspired on the book of Romans, chapter 5. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory and praise and majesty be to you, O Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace and the love that you've shown us through your Son, Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of his life, through the cross. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, because we have so much to be thankful for. Help us understand, Lord God, what is it that you have done for us and where we were without you, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that there are things that need to happen in our lives so that we can continue to move forward and to be able to attain those things that you wish for us to have. Heavenly Father, help us to be sensitive to your will and to your ways. And as always, please forgive my sins and my wrongs, O Lord God, because as you know, and I know, I am imperfect in many different ways. I give you thanks because I can trust in your forgiveness and in your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the book of Romans, chapter 5. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For when we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death 
through sin, and thus death spread to all men because of all sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In today's passage, it says that we should also glory in tribulations and that tribulations produce other things. In another passage, the Bible tells us that it is necessary to go through many tribulations. For it says, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Why do we need to go through tribulation? Maybe it would be a good idea first to define what tribulation is. We can start by saying what it is not. Tribulation is neither discipline for wrongdoing nor consequences for sins committed. There are some people that get confused and say that they are going through tribulation when they sin, and that's not accurate. In other words, tribulation is a cause of great trouble or suffering as defined by the common online dictionary. But also from a biblical point of view, it is a result of other people's sins, either committed against an innocent person or the consequences of environmental sin. More precisely, a person undergoes tribulation or extensive suffering without doing anything wrong. Actually, quite the contrary, they suffer for doing what is right from God's point of view. For instance, when a person is persecuted for their faith in Christ, they are suffering tribulation. Another instance is what prophecy tells us in the Bible that there will be a period of tribulation and then great tribulation. Such as the world has never seen because of the collective sin of man, because people refuse to obey the Lord and his truth and thereby rebel against him. And as a result of that collective rebellion against God, much hardship and suffering will occur in the world. And those of us that choose to believe in the Lord and remain faithful to him will suffer through those consequences without being responsible for them. I'll explain it to you in this manner. Some of you may be familiar with the concept of home insurance. 
Home insurance can be purchased to help cover or pay for incidents that happen with your home, like when there is a storm damage or, or fire, and the insurance company helps to repair and or replace what has been damaged due to no fault committed by the homeowner. Insurance provides help with unforeseen events and or accidents, basically. One of the things that is now happening with home insurance in the United States is that insurance companies are increasing substantially premiums for coverage because there are just too many fraudulent claims. In other words, there are too many people claiming damages that are not really damages and are putting in for excessive claims that are not really warranted. As a result, those of us that have not taken advantage of our insurance companies are being charged higher premiums along with everyone else because of people that are cheating or being fraudulent. We are paying ultimately for other people's wrongdoings. That is a form of tribulation by definition for those people that have not cheated the insurance companies. It's simply going through something very difficult that is not generally fair. So now, going back to the original question, why is it necessary to go through tribulation? And the answer is that this world is really a place for decision and for preparation. The first aspect we will look at is decision or choice. We have mentioned before that God has inherently given every human being free will or the power to choose. There is no verse that precisely or directly says that man shall have free will, but it is highly inferable throughout scripture. It is plain to see it in the conditional statements throughout the Bible. Conditional statements inherently involve a person having a choice. Deuteronomy chapter 30 tells us this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. And so, if that is not a premise for choice and free will, and also for something that is highly conditional, then I don't know what is. God was basically telling his people here to choose between life and death, between blessing and cursing, and that each have ramifications. In the New Testament, we see that we have the choice to either believe or not to believe in Christ and that there are ramifications to both. As it is written in John chapter three, it says, he who believes in the son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. In this very simple verse, choice is clearly presented, and that if a person truly believes in Jesus, then they will have everlasting life. But if they choose not to believe in the son, then they will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on them. And of course, if a person abides in that decision to reject Jesus Christ their whole life and never turns away from that sin, God's wrath will be realized on judgment day. And so good and evil exists in this world so that there is an opportunity for choice. That is why sin is allowed to exist so that good can have a strong competitor. As you all know, Sin can be quite attractive to our fallen nature. That is why it's so hard to let go. So why did God then allow for sin to exist? Because of love. There is choice in love. Love is actually nothing without choice. Without free will, it wouldn't mean anything. If there was only good in the world, then there is no choice. There is nothing else to choose for. 
But in this world, you have both good and evil, and they are in direct competition with each other, and they are almost equal in attraction to all of us. So now you have an environment that is more than capable to provide a choice to man. There are options. God loves us, and his desire is for us to choose to be with him out of our own free will, and not because we have no other choice. Everything in the Lord is ultimately based in love. The second aspect that we see mentioned is that this world is a place for training. After we have made a choice for Jesus Christ by accepting him as the Lord of our lives, we are to be transformed and changed. More precisely, we need to be transformed and trained for the coming world. Many believers think that salvation is only by making it into heaven and that's it. But that is not completely accurate. It's not like older cartoons would show that all you do is when you go to heaven is play the harp for all eternity. That is actually far from the truth. The Bible teaches us that we will have great responsibilities and reign in the future. For instance, Revelations chapter 1 verse 4 to 6 says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And Revelations chapter 5, it says, And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And so in these two instances, the converts and or redeemed say that Christ has made them kings and priests to their God. That means that there is a continued eternal service to the Lord, and that they will exercise dominion over others. Now the Bible does not say precisely what we will exercise dominion or power over. But the fact is that we will be made into kings, is that we will provide leadership and exercise authority over a kingdom or kingdoms. And as priests, we will exercise leadership and provide teaching and guidance to others. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So there is an undescribed hope that we are given, not because God is intentionally hiding it, but because we are very limited in our own understanding and we can get a sense through the spirit, but not actually be able to fully comprehend it, especially considering that we are still in a very imperfect state in the flesh. Although we are in Christ and our sins are forgiven and the Holy Spirit may indwell our lives, we still have the flesh, but we must deal with the flesh. Paul said this, for instance, in Philippians chapter 3, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on 
that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the Bible tells us that we must overcome our sins, our weaknesses, and the tribulations in this world. Revelations chapter 21 says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, this doesn't mean that we are doing it on our own. It's actually impossible for anyone to save themselves as well as walk the Christian life on their own strength. That's why we need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We need His power in our lives. But remember that we still have free will and that the relationship we have with the Lord is a love relationship, which means that we not only choose to make Jesus the Lord of our lives out of our own free will, but that we should also choose to follow Him daily as the effective and literal Lord of our lives. We should abide in that decision to follow Him, to take up our cross and follow Him daily. And as we endeavor to follow Him out of love, He, God, will allow for certain circumstances to happen through the course of our lives that will mold us and change us and transform us into what we need to be for the future. But it is our decision to press on and our choice in how to react to those circumstances. That's why the Bible talks about abiding in Him, because again, our relationship is based on choice. John chapter 15 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And so, Abiding consists in continuing to remain in that decision, in that desire to continue following the Lord despite the circumstances, despite the challenges, and of course, despite the tribulations we may face. I'm not going to lie to you, but although salvation is free, it is the gift from God to all humanity. Taking that gift and following Christ bears an inherent price, and that is letting go of your sinful self to follow Him. You need to die to self in order to follow him. And that can be quite challenging. That is actually the greatest challenge any and all people that make that initial decision to follow Christ encounter. Many people like the idea of being saved and entering into heaven, but they don't like the idea that they need to do away with their sinful desires and give up their will and submit their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Most people want to believe the false concept that God is there to save you and that you can continue to live life however you want and that God is there to fulfill your wishes and desires. That is not the Christian walk. And that type of mentality is certainly not what will lead you to heaven and least of all, make you ready for the coming age. 
That mentality is simply not conducive to anything eternal because that is an earthbound mentality. Our sinful nature only thinks about here and now, so you can never prepare for the eternal using that mentality. That's why many people fall away from faith in Christ and do not do the Lord's will. That's why any kind of teaching that supports that is satanic and or demonic because the whole goal of the teachings like that is to help people stay earthbound and to persuade them to never be able to achieve and or fulfill God's true will in their lives. And like the scripture says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is why there will be much disappointment for many people when they stand judgment before the Lord someday, because they will realize on that day that they had it all wrong and that they never did the Father's will. They did their will and followed their own desires by even doing things that seem good and spiritual. So the ultimate purpose for tribulation is transformation because it is the process that allows for us to let go of our sinful nature, to leave behind our carnal will and to pursue a stronger relationship with the Lord through faith and love. And so God allows for this suffering so that we can be changed, transformed and made new in him and through him, through the person of Jesus Christ. The transformation of our lives does not happen in that instant when we surrender our lives to the Lord. That is only the beginning. The transformation and renewing of our minds occurs over time. It's a process, but it's a process that we choose to undergo out of our own free will. But although tribulation does cause some tough moments and ultimately some human yet temporary suffering, the Bible tells us that we should consider what God did for us as we go through this life and experience that hardship. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. We should ultimately consider his love and gift, Jesus Christ. The Lord did something for us that is truly remarkable, incredible, awesome, something that is just very hard to put into words. It's hard to grasp what was done for us because we say it easily. But do we truly understand what happened on the cross, the sacrifice that was made for us on that place, the sign of God's faithfulness and love for us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's love and promises if you truly even just begin to understand them, are more than enough of a good reason to endure whatever we need to endure, even something as difficult as tribulation.
The true Christian walk involves hardship, not because the Lord likes for us to suffer, but because we need to be transformed and changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ so we can be ready to inherit what he has prepared for those that love him. That's why it is imperative to be about the Father's business and to use what we have been given, which is the power of the Holy Spirit for the Lord, to fulfill his will so we can grow and become ready to face the challenges that are coming. I'm not going to lie to you and set you up for failure because that is clearly not what God wants to do. His word clearly tells us that we will face hardship. We all will at some point need to endure some form of tribulation because God wants to see for himself who truly loves him and who truly is just trying to use him. He knows, but there is a big difference between knowing something and seeing it being realized. There is a big difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Many people, they say that they believe in God and many even profess some sort of faith in Jesus, but nothing is real until it is tried. The Bible says that everything will be tried through fire. Fire is the only thing that can purify gold, silver, and precious stones, the building materials, if you will, that God wants to use in our lives through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If we use the world's wood, hay, and stubble building materials, it will go up in smoke when it gets exposed to the fire of tribulation. But if we build our lives with the Word of God, the only source for valuable and eternal building materials, if you will, our value will only increase and last for all eternity. That is the big picture God is always looking at. He is not a here and now kind of being. He is big and eternal picture kind of being, always looking towards the most valuable thing, eternity. This world is but a moment, but eternity is forever. Think about that for when the time comes and you find yourselves in some hardship because of your faith in Christ. The here and now is temporary, but God's will for us is eternal life and great and incredible eternal rewards and responsibilities we cannot even fathom. Such is God's intention for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, because you truly love us and because you desire great and incredible things for us. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, not to focus so much on the here and now. And I know that it's tough and I know that for myself, Lord God, it, it is very easy to get off course. But I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to stay focused on your Son, Jesus Christ, on what he did on the cross for us and to remain, Lord God, on the, on the fact that we would have been completely separated from you if it were not for Jesus Christ. And we would have been separated for all eternity where there is no peace, there is no joy, there is no love, there is no life. If it were not for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord God, we would have no hope because our destiny would be held no matter what we did, no matter how good we tried to be. And Lord God, I know at this moment, it is difficult for people to understand what heaven is and what hell is, Lord God. And Heavenly Father, it is difficult to understand it because this world in any kind of way does not resemble neither of them. No hardship or tribulation resembles the pain and suffering that is in hell. And at the same time, this world does not resemble in any kind of way the greatness and the goodness and the eternal aspect of your kingdom. 
Lord God, we are so limited in what we can understand. But help us, O oh Lord, through faith in Jesus Christ to understand what we need to understand and to remain in that faith, Lord God, until the very end, until we see you face to face, until we experience what you have for us. Help us to know that it is there if we remain faithful to you and we endure whatever we need to endure, even tribulation. In Jesus' name I pray and I give you thanks because we don't have to go through it alone. We can go through it with you, with your Holy Spirit, with your promptings, with your guidance, with your word, Lord God. I give you thanks because we can trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.